2: Hello, I'm Will Fulton, and this is Thrillist Best and the Rest. Every week, we pick one topic, from hangover cures to horror movies, and tell you what's the absolute peak, the best possible thing in that world. It's not that complicated. Today, we'll be talking about a very, very important topic. Who makes the best craft beer in America? I've got two dudes who definitely look like they drink craft beer. Flannels and beards. <laughs> I have a flannel on two, to be fair. Andy Creza, senior editor for Thrillist, who's been covering food and travel and a lot of beer for what, like 20 years?
0: Uh, yeah, I think so, yeah, since before the, the internet.
2: Yeah, pre-internet. Yeah, You predate the internet. Like the 40s? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and Zach Mack, he's a beer writer for Thrillist and many other publications that we won't mention, because whatever. He also owns ABC Beer Co. in New York's East Village. It's like the best bar in the city. One of my favorite all-time bars. Thanks for coming on. Oh! And more importantly, certified Cicerone. Did I say that right? Uh, Cicerone, yeah. Fuck. Everyone, so no one does it right. You, you know said, you said right. yeah, but then you said no. <laughs> <laughs> you, I, it was a yeah, no. <laughs> ah, yes, yes. It's like people say no, yeah. It's hard to say. But what is a Cicerone exactly for people out there who don't know?
1: You almost got it again. You're that close. Um, Cicerone is a certification for beer where you have to study and take an exam on service, style history, uh, off flavors, things like that. And after you pass, you get a fancy pin, kind of like a psalm. And you get to put that title next to your name.
2: Yeah. Uh, Zach owns the bar and he was nice enough to bring some what I can only assume are craft beers by designation.
1: I can assure you, that's all we carry.
2: He <laughs> looked very serious right there when he's <laughs> going. Uh, what are these? The so Danny Boy, love the can.
1: I know this is beautiful, beautiful design. Ken Falls, in my opinion, I actually wrote this up as they're the best brewery in Connecticut, in my opinion. Okay, um, small they, state though, you know, small state, you know, in New England, you yeah. Know, so they got stiff competition, um, but these guys generally they put out some of the best beer in the Northeast overall. Definitely, in my opinion, keeping their game fresh. They don't do just one style well; they do everything well. Which so, is rare,
0: right? Like, for somebody to yeah. actually, like, the, the whole master of all thing is, is...
1: Incredibly elusive, especially in beer today. Everyone's either known for their IPAs or known for their crazy barrel-aged things or their mixed fermentation sours or whatever. But these guys do all of that, and they do it all well. So Please, feel free to pass them out. Here we go. It's a nice, dry pilsner. It's German-style pilsner, which probably won't mean anything to you guys. Maybe, maybe Andy. <laughs>
2: that sounded like a Coke commercial. Yeah, that was exactly. great. <laughs> So Andy and I went out drinking last night to prep for this episode. It was I, research. Just for research. Yeah, research. Yeah, yeah. yeah, we expensed it. Um he said that you call, correct me if I'm wrong, Lager and Pilsner drinkers Crispy Boys.
1: Oh yeah. So glad you <laughs> came up as early. Ah, oh, crispy boys. My favorite term. Yeah, Hayes Bros and Crispy Boys. I had yeah. never heard
0: anyone say it until well, I didn't hear you say it until just now, but I read you write it. And I was like, what a great term.
1: <laughs> oh yeah. That one's taking taking the uh, industry by storm. Um, yeah, crispy boys. There's also hazy boys, hazy boys, Haze bros. Yeah, hashtag hazy boys. Is that with a Y or not? With an I. Okay, always, always with an I. Love there it.
0: a Z at the end of boys?
1: There should be if it's yeah. plural, I suppose.
2: All right, let's move on to categories. So at the end of the episode, Zach and Andy are going to deliver their picks for the best craft brewery in America. But before we get to the best, we have to cover the rest. So let's move on to categories. <laughs> so we like to start with first the worst, where we call it the worst thing in a given field, since that's. You know, I, I think that probably all craft breweries have their pluses. Uh, I think a better, more apt thing to talk about would be the most obnoxious beer trends in craft brewing right now. What's something that just, you know, you think is very overrated or something that almost every brewer is doing that perhaps they shouldn't be?
1: I guess it's funny because this like debate rages on the, if you go into beer Twitter, which is definitely a thing, most of the debate rages on more about, like having kids in tap rooms or TVs in tap rooms Oh yeah! over style productions. Cause right now you, there's so many options that style trends kind of crash and burn within three months. So, and the big thing that was I, the last thing I can remember people being up in arms about style wise was people making glitter beer.
0: Yeah. Glitter beer was, that was all over that the place. It was real, yeah. <laughs> is that what it sounds like? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's what it is. A lot of them like put glitter in after the fact, though, right? Like it didn't come out of the tap. Can you imagine how many tap lines were just clogged?
1: Oh my with glitter? god! Well, only, not only
2: like... tap lines, but if you're drinking glitter, like I assume
0: some of your bodily organs will be clogged as well. I was no, there's that's edible glitter. There is edible oh, glitter, thank yeah. God. So as, as, <laughs> uh, I, I never had one. It just eluded me. Same. Thank God. But like, I wonder what it would do to your poop. well if you yeah i was when i was thinking about bodily organs i was
2: like would it come which way would it come out yeah
1: i uh i never honestly like i never saw a problem with it as long as i got people talking about beer and as long as the beer tasted good and everyone's like this beer tastes like shit because of the glitter yeah you know like it was it was a gimmick but it was a gimmick that worked everything in this industry is like done to in some degree to create attention so i thought that was actually a relatively smart idea then it got overrun but i don't think that style wise it's gimmicky and not going to affect the taste, like, fine, go for it.
0: If if that becomes your entry point to drinking better beer because you
1: wanted to try a stunt beer, great. You know, there's a beer from Italy that does, they call it Spaghetti Western, and they do a fistful of spaghetti uh, with sauce on it in each batch.
0: That is fantastic.
1: Yeah, and, and I mean, like people drink it. They're like, you can taste the spaghetti. I'm like, no, you can't taste the spaghetti. It's just like a little bit. It's but, a fugazi. Yeah, yeah.
2: Now, whose fist? What is a fist? How do they define a fistful? Is some? There's I'm picturing like a an Italian grandma, right? Yeah. It's it's an a Italian very, grandma digging into a bowl. Yeah, I was gonna say whose him.
1: fist? It's a very imperial style. Like whose foot are we yeah. talking about here? Um, I don't a, know. B- a baby I, fist. I hope <laughs> it's like a, a dainty Italian grandma. So you just made it, but it certainly must be yeah, Some and it's a, it's an imperial skin. stout, so it's like pretty bold anyway, but sometimes when people throw
0: shit in a fermenter, uh, it does affect what's going on right? Like oh, so big like time. there's this uh, brewery out of Portland called Breakside. They did this beer where they threw like two dozen fresh baked strawberry rhubarb pies in the in the fermenter, yeah. and I would imagine the yeast in the crust or something or the wheat or whatever. Yeah, probably did have an effect on the actual brewing process. No,
1: it does. I mean, if you if you are dumping in anything that has sugar in it, it's you know a lot of that can be you know fermented out. And it psychs the yeast up, and it can up the alcohol content, or it can dry it out in some cases if it's not leaving behind sugar. But yeah, there are definitely cases where you can taste it when it's not just a gimmick. You know, other half of New York sent us a keg not too long ago. That was a triple stout that tasted like churros. They called it like a churro cart.
2: I, I had that one actually. Yeah, tried it was like
1: twelve and a half percent, super strong, but like tasted. Really good. It had like a backbone of cinnamon churros.
2: It was really good. The other one I liked and it's kind of bewildering that it was good was the Lucky Charms beer.
1: People get really mad about that. Why, why do they get mad
0: about it? Do they I, hate is it because they like get a toy in their beer?
1: Some people think it cheapens the image of beer. Again, similar to like the, the sparkle or the, the glitter beer rather. People think that it takes away from the seriousness of the craft beer industry and, you know, this, this is all supposed to be so good. But, again, it's, if it tastes good and people like it, then who cares?
0: Why, for purists, is there no room for fun? You know, if if that was the case, we'd all be drinking debat compliant German beer, which— that's a that's a big fancy word for saying German beer, right? Like, yeah, no, made by a beer purity law. Um, scary word. Like that sucks. Like, like to think that somebody is going to get so upset about the idea that somebody put a like some pop tarts in a beer.
1: Honestly, there's so much beer coming out now that if you don't have something that can differentiate you, or you can't have a little fun with it, then I feel like we're losing the course. And and I know I'm all for like people tend to get very dogmatic in the industry, and there's a place for the people who want to make tried and true Reinheit's Kebab beer, and I'm, that's never going to go away. But it's kind of, I, I always like to egg on the people who have like a fun idea to try something a little different because who knows what you're going to get out of it. You could end up making a billion dollars like Jim Cook. I mean, Lucky Charms has not uh, devalued
2: the experience of breakfast. Why would it devalue the experience of beer? I just think that, the, I think the reason that craft beer nerds get so much flack is because they take it so cringely seriously. Yeah, I mean,
0: if you love something, you take it seriously. I can I can respect that, but like when you're, attitude is so uh stodgy that you get upset with other people for having fun with something that's and i think that makes it less appealing for like people like you and me who well zach you're fun too don't get me wrong zach's a a barrel of monkeys barrel aged monkeys but uh but you know when people take stuff so seriously it makes it off-putting that's why people have such a hard time finding an entry point to wine and because there's this like long history of snooty wine culture that isn't necessarily right like you meet most winemakers they're pretty chill
2: All right, so we talked about things that annoy us in the craft beer world. Uh, Let's talk about the most underrated brewery. We call this the Guy
0: Fieri Award for being underrated because, yes,
2: he is super underrated. Gets a lot of flack. Doesn't deserve it.
0: You, actually, Will Fulton of Uh, com, wrote a a story about the the, the positive effect of Guy Fieri on the landscape. And honestly, you completely changed my mind. And your
1: life. He's still got it going. Yeah. There's so much. That's the thing with beer these days is there's so much more to be appreciated that's underrated than there is that is like new up and coming stuff. Um, because the industry, we're at a strange point now where we've grown so quickly that it's really easy to overlook people that have done things for you for so long. Huge, I tell this to everyone who's willing to listen. Think about what you were shopping for 10 years ago. If they're still in the market, they're doing something right. And I look at places like Allagash which is not only one of the best breweries, like Allagash is something that people are like. Oh yeah, I've had the white a thousand times. They are one of the best breweries in Maine, probably the one of the best breweries in the country, and I'd even put it on one of the best in the world. And they they do so much for beer outside of just that one style that everyone knows them for that they may never get the credit they deserve. But I I truly love breweries like that. Um, I think I mean there's there's I, there's a million places I could list off right now that aren't getting the credit they deserve because. They're either, you know, in that weird phase of their existence uh, because they opened up, you know, 50, or, you know 10 to eight years ago and everyone's starting to forget about them or just breweries that don't have the money or the line out the door to compete with, you know, some of the big household names these days.
0: That's a tough uh, category to hit properly, largely, because like anything that's undiscovered, you could make that argument, right? Like this is an underrated thing, but if you can't get it in your hands... It's going to remain underrated because, like, you know, distribution laws and all this boring gobbledygook. But, like, I think, in terms of the larger breweries, I think you can make a case for calling something like Sierra Nevada underrated just because it's one of those things that's been on the shelves for so long that's actually completely changed the game and still continues to like, that's one of those ones that like, like Boston beer, like people just kind of take for granted that it's an independent craft brewery to the larger point. I think that most of these legacy breweries at this point could be considered to be underrated despite the fact that they keep changing. So for my money with that in mind, I'm going to go with Deschutes shoots out of Bend, Oregon, which is also widely available. Um, not here. No, it's, it's not really, out here.
1: Unfortunately. Oh, I love sucks. If I could, Deschutes I would be so good. happy.
0: Yeah. The shoots is uh yeah. Bend, Oregon's one of those, um, under-the-radar beer towns that if you find out about it, you're just like, holy shit, they make amazing beer. Um, and shoots they came out of the gates in 1988, which is like the year of so many of these legacy breweries, and they came out with a porter. Now, nowadays, you see a porter on almost every menu, but back then, it was like, what the hell are you guys doing? Everyone was making, people were more crispy boys back yeah. then. <laughs> it was like, that's
1: a dark beer. That's yeah, crazy. yeah, and people
0: got really thrown off by it. So their black boot porter is great, it remains great, but they also put out all these, like, hard to find, like, uh, one-off, sought-after nerd treasures. But for the most part, like, if you're talking to somebody that's been drinking beer forever, they're just like, oh, yeah, just shoots, whatever. So
1: yeah, I, in terms of
0: the big guys, I would say that that would be the most underrated.
1: So I agree with you that Sierra Nevada or New Belgium are perfect examples of breweries that need to be reminded that you can go to a store, you know you're going to get a good beer from them. And the, the appreciation that that exists in craft beer now is a relatively new concept because— for a long time, you kind of had a crapshoot. Like, is this going to be, you know, this, this is a new brewery. Like, I'm not sure if this is actually going to be good or not. You know what you're getting with these these places. I had the best time with New Belgium last week. They took me up to Fort Collins, and I got to try some of their stuff right off the line. Fat Tire is one of those beers when you revisit it, you're like, this is great. Uh, okay,
0: what style of beer is, is uh, Fat Tire for the cheap seats and me pretending like I know?
1: It's a Vienna Lager, I believe. Okay, yeah. Or it's yeah. like, a, it's an Amber Ale. Or sorry, it's an Amber Ale.
0: That's right. Okay. Which is so, also a style that kind of faded and seems to be coming back a little bit too. Yeah. Right?
1: That's, well, that's funny how many people come in and ask for an amber beer, not knowing like what they actually mean, but... What do they actually mean? I think a lot of people just mean they want something like in between light and dark. They want something a little more hefty than a Bud Light, but they don't want something as dark as a stout. So they, I, I mean, I'm assuming a lot of people, because they're always like, I want an amber. And then you actually, the funny thing is if I ever get an amber and put it on draft... People will try it. They're like, "Oh, cool." Anyway, I don't want that. (laughs) But the the style itself is a good middle ground beer because it it has like good flavor, and and those guys make a good one. I I got to drink one right off the line. Tasted amazing. But what a tough life you have, Zach.
2: Okay. On that note, let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. Um, Okay. So we talked about some weird beers. What brewery in general? is doing the weirdest things. Uh, we call this one the U.S. Postal Service Award for pushing the envelope.
1: <laughs> oh, so my God. <laughs> Man. Yeah. Wait, whoa, whoa, whoa pushed the envelope. Whoa, whoa, whoa. That's, push him out. that's
0: a dad joke too far. <laughs> Coming from the only dad at the table. <laughs> yeah, but but real talk,
2: Who what what brewery is doing weird things right?
1: That's a really tough question. That's really both question, testicles
2: yeah. in beer, right?
0: There is a place in Colorado that puts bull testicles in the fermenter, yes. Right. <laughs> so they don't dip the balls in the beer. No, it's not like a like they don't like bring in a bold tea bag I mean, of a a tank. <laughs> yeah. I mean
2: that's what you think. It's like a yeah. conveyor belt. It's, it's like just stuff. one bottle at a
0: time. Yeah. One extremely large bottle at a time. Handled with care. <laughs> why why, oh, why okay, does okay, I always but... have to come back to animal testicles with you, Will? <laughs> it's by fashion. Um, you guys
1: like beer. <laughs> the weirdest beers, that's like such a tough question because a weird Is now sort of like a form of marketing. Mm -hmm. So there's like evil twin doing these like things that they'll throw crazy, crazy ingredients in like, you know, all forms of, of fruit. And to, to cut it back to a couple of years ago, I remember when rogue was doing insane stuff. Like they were brewing beer with the yeast that they found in their brewer's beard.
0: That shit. Yes. was oh, weird. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Yeah, yeah, wait, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. So, I, we
1: have
2: to roll this one back. Okay. Do most people have yeast in their beards as two bearded gentlemen? Do?
1: There's yeast all around us. Well, yes. well I, okay. If we live in a <laughs> it's, it's yeast world. Yeasty world. There are some people who have more yeast on them than others. Yeah. Uh, and people who work with yeast, i.e. brewers, would probably be a good example. <laughs>
0: so Rogue is, uh, is an Oregon brewery. It's one of the like kind of OGs of the craft beer movement. You'll recognize them uh, as the folks that make Dead Guy Ale, which is available all over the place. It's got a very iconic label. Mm-hmm. But their brewer had this, like, 20-year beard going, right? Like, big, long, mountain man beard. And apparently, yes, yeah, so it got some yeast in it. And they decided <laughs> to use said yeast as the base
2: for a beer. How do you even approach that situation? Like,
1: look. I don't know someone's like, "Wait, I want to check to see if there's yeast in my beard." And then they're like, "There's enough cured that I can like take this and propagate it and make a beer." It wasn't like they were like having him like sit above the fermenter and like shake his beard out. <laughs> they're like they totally like swabbed it, took it, and then like ex- like fed the yeast and propagated it in a right. lab, but still. The Do you remember the Nenkazi one on the same note, the space beer? This that was awesome yeah. to me. What is it? So they took a batch Ninkazi of is also
0: yeast. out of Oregon. They are. They're Eugene. Uh, now, and they're, right? they're big too now.
1: Yeah. They were in New York for a minute, but I haven't seen them in a while. But um, So Ninkazi took a container of brewers yeast and they put it onto a rocket and they shot it into, uh, not low earth orbit, but they shot it into space.
0: Yeah. in it's a space, space beer.
1: Yeah. To low gravity. So then they came back down, they collected it and they made beer with it.
0: Oh, space beer. Space beer. Space yeah. beer.
1: So that's cool. That's yeah, weird. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's weird. weird. I, that's but that what was the- so <laughs> four years ago. Yeah, that was. That was like actually like four. Five so years was the ago. yeast beard. Yeah, yeah beard. that was like eight years ago. Rogue also discovered. made was the
0: first ones that did that maple bacon beer. Yep. Uh, in the, in a very iconic pink bottle, uh, and With no disrespect to that, it was not particularly tasty.
1: More shock than value there. Yeah, yeah, that's but not really. But shocking. that gets people being like, oh, they're
0: the 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 ones that make that weird donut beer, and then you get their real beer, and you're like, oh, that's pretty good. Yeah. Um, that's not shocking
2: though. I mean, a maple maple bacon beer compared it was to back in the beer. day though i mean if how you think, long ago was that if
1: you think about 2012? it like this here's, okay. a,
0: here's a little little trip down memory lane <laughs> the maple bacon donut was only popular as like 10 years ago and it was also and so that beer was an homage to and in conjunction with voodoo donut which is like the proto hipster donut that kind of kicked off the whole like let's put weird shit on a donut phase mm-hmm. that was only like 10 years ago so The fact that they were making that beer so quickly after it was weird for the time, I will say. Nowadays,
1: we're we're just aging ourselves with this conversation. Yeah,
0: (laughs) yeah, you guys look great, though. But no, I think that there are a lot of breweries that are doing really interesting things with um, barrel aging and doing experimentation with that. And I think Avery out of Colorado is one of those. Um, They have this, their their beer that you'll most likely see is called White Rascal. Uh, That's kind of their... Main one that you see a lot of, right? That's that's yeah, right, the wheat right. beer, yeah. Yeah. Wood yeah. Beers too. Uh but they do crazy shit with barrel aging. Like they did one where it was like a uh, a wood barrel full of peanuts and it was strong. I didn't know that it was uh like a twenty percent beer and it tasted like peanut butter to me. And so I just like I drink very, I drink everything voraciously. Like I gulp everything. He does. That's why weed drinks don't work for him. Yeah, because yeah. he'll
2: just suck it all down.
0: Suck down that sweet weed nectar. He has no. Uh, he has no.
2: <laughs> are, is there? Hold on. That I don't mean to interrupt you. Yeah, you, I do. Actually do. you actually very
1: intentionally interrupted <laughs> um, me.
0: That's why your uh, show is just going off the rails. <laughs> cannabis beer.
1: Yes, cannabis beer is a thing. Um, I met these guys uh, a while back. Um, this brewery called Two Roots. They're out of California. And they are making cannabis beer with THC in it. They're also brewing non-alcoholic or low-alcohol beers as well. They won a medal for that.
0: Which is big, though.
1: Yeah, that's a huge, huge market. You're seeing these guys that athletic, but, like, that trend has taken off. So these guys, I think this was a huge debate in the beer world for a long time that the legalization of weed was going to, like, kill the beer industry because everyone was going to get high instead of drink beer. Mm. Which is funny because most people I know in the beer industry drink beer and get high. But, I mean— Take your pick, I guess. So, yeah. this brewery, there's, a, there's also a huge debate that the FDA uh, would never allow for a beer to be released that had THC and alcohol in it because it would be, like, competing. It's too much. It's like for, kind of like the 4Loco, mm. OG 4Loco effect where they had to take the caffeine out. Now it's not the same formula. Oh, it's not the same. It lost all its balls. Yeah. I, I haven't tried their THC-infused stuff yet. I've only tried the low-alcohol ones, and the beer, the base beer tastes great. So... If people are looking for that like combo hit, if that's the way you're gonna, you know, we're all about edibles these days in the legalized states. It's it seems like a natural progression for people to be able to drink that stuff. That's not weird to me. I think it's cool.
0: Yeah, it's super cool, and then we're also seeing CBD beer. Yeah, which so CBD for anyone who doesn't know is cannabido- cannabinoid 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 Yeah, there you yeah. go. <laughs> uh. Cicero. <laughs> anyway, so CBD beer is is also a thing now, and CBD is um, the non psychotropic. A uh, compound that is found in the hemp and cannabis plant. Uh, I've, I liken it to like taking melatonin.
1: Yeah, Uh it just for me. Shows I'm, you out, yeah. like,
0: and you it's, and that's legal. Well, it's dicey because all that stuff's dicey, but it, it is available in almost every state, mm-hmm. and so you're starting to see a lot of that show up in beer and also cocktails. And like, yeah. there's a place in Vegas that puts it on chicken wings. Whoa! Which, yeah. So like all these, all these things that you think that would like, you'd be getting rowdy from like drinking beer and eating chicken wings. Like imagine how boring football games are going to be if this catches on, like, it's going to be a bunch of people like chilling out, like <laughs> talking about aggression and concussions. Maybe that's what we
2: need. Uh, what craft brewery has the best tour? I've been on a couple and they're kind of lame. They give you a thimbleful. They kind of just show you the hops. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I love people's accents so much. Right. And like the, the toe is like the Midwestern paper bag to the me. Like, like it's just like one of those words that like somebody from Jersey What's Midwestern or Midwestern
2: paper bag.
0: Uh, people in the Midwest say paper bag funny. And like every region of the Midwest, somebody wait, says you, paper are you, bag. Is and anyone never,
2: else here? Paper, wait, paper what paper is bag?
0: So I say the pa- paper bag, <laughs> but like people in Chicago say paper bag. And people from Ohio are like, paper bag, and Minnesota's like, Peep or bag. <laughs> and I used to be able to like geolocate where somebody was from, like within like two counties. You uh, got a great so
2: Midwestern accent. I think you, you yeah, really do. <laughs> I'd say, when, the first time I saw Eddie eat Shake Shack, it was one of the great like examples. He was, he just sat there, he went, oh my God. Just like, <laughs> oh my God. And it was just over and over.
0: So, anyway, the way that you said tar. Like what like craft some sort brewery of like, has the best tour. Some, some sort of like Country Bumpkin Garrison Keeler over here.
2: <laughs> I'm from New Jersey. We went over this. What craft brewery has the best tour? Tour. How would you say it?
0: Tour. 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 It's like uh, time broke out, tour? <laughs> That's not the best tour. Okay, sorry. Okay, sorry.
2: Uh hey, but seriously, <laughs> what craft brewery has the best T O U R? Say it however you want. <laughs>
1: Do um, I say tour real quick? I'll say yeah. I think the best tour Uh-oh. I've ever been on, and I've, I've made this clear a couple of times, I suppose. Is Allagash is great at doing that. I've talked to a lot of people in the industry, and I think people who write, who cover beer, or who just deal in it, and a lot of people who've made their way to Portland have told me the same thing. There's, I've been on some great brewery tours, and I know I get my ass kissed quite a bit because you know I write about beer from time to time, and they, you know, I, I'm part of the industry, so I, I'm not pretending like I was, you know, just lucky enough to walk in and catch the right tour guide. But Allagash really does care about everyone that walks in. I've I've asked all my friends who visited, they're like, hands down, Allagash is one of the best places to visit. So if you are still, you know, I'm not in Portland's pocket here, I swear to God. But if you're looking to make a trip and you have one one brewery to visit this year, try Allagash.
2: Okay.
0: Yeah, I, I'm more about, like, most brewery tours, you, like, go in and somebody, like, showing you, Here's the tanks, and here's the button we push, and here's some wart. And like, so it, for me, it's more about like being in cool old buildings that have maybe been repurposed. So, two weeks ago, I was in Fargo, North Dakota, mm. and uh, I ended up in this uh, brewery called Drecker, which makes really good milkshake beers. But no one can get North Dakota beer outside of North Dakota for the most part, unless you're like obsessively tracking it down. But they were in this cool 150 um, year old railroad cleaning facility for locomotives and so they just had this like crazy beautiful old it it looked like it could have been in upstate new york or something like that and like this big sprawling facility and like just walking through that and seeing how much love that they had for it and all the stuff that they had repurposed like the brewery part of the tour wasn't particularly interesting to me because i've been on so many of them but like that one was actually really kind of like show-stopping in in regard to just like how cool it was and it had been through fires and they had repurposed like burnt wood and it was really cool yeah
2: that's awesome okay this is a beautiful can
1: this is a gorgeous can. Yeah, I agree. Uh, so,
2: second second can of beer.
1: They're called Duchess Ales from Mosaic, New York. This is called Ghost Beer. It's a nice Kolsch-style, Kolsch-lager-style pale ale. So, still on the lighter side. They're all the rage in New York these days.
0: People really, really buy beer based on the label, right? 100%. Yeah. you can.
1: It's amazing how, like, until very recently, there were still, like, Comic Sans on a lot of labels. <laughs> and, like, now all of a sudden it just looks, it's stunning. It's either super minimal or artistic. It's a, a, a faded fuchsia. Faded fuchsia. I like oh, wow. that. Well done.
2: That's pretty good. I'm usually, I'm usually good with colors, so I can really appreciate that. Um, a little bit of a, like a, like a hand-drawn, a, yeah, hand-drawn, almost like a John Lennon. If you've seen his sketches. Yeah, I guess right? so. I thought that maybe it was at first and ghost beer written in almost childlike penmanship.
1: It's only 4.8%. <laughs>
2: okay. This kind of leads into my next question. Uh, what craft brewery has the best overall can
0: designs?
1: Oh God! Most interesting. Yeah, Let's just a, say
0: most interesting. Canning and craft beer is not really that old of a practice, it's right? Yeah, so new. And what was what was the first bit? Was it um, Oscar Blues? Was kind of like the Oscar Grand Blues Daddy? was like
1: known for being the craft can.
0: Yeah, yeah. So time. Dick's Pale Ale. Um. So yeah, the cans are they're all over the place, right? Yeah, like some of these, they hire these local artists that just do this beautiful artwork. A lot of it looks like an Iron Maiden album cover.
1: I think if if I have to pick one brewery that mm-hmm. does. A really really good job with their artwork on their labels. It has to be grim, and it's a local bias, but their stuff is so good. I would like I've said aloud before that I would take it and frame it and put it up if I had the print because it's it's gorgeous stuff. It's grim with two M's.
2: I I honestly buy um,
0: based on the label a lot. Wine, beer, every day. You're, you're American. It's
1: only natural. This you know is what, what old we do. school one
0: I love is um, Flying Dog that Ralph Steadman, the old oh, Hunter yeah. S. Thompson artist, does their uh, yeah. art and like it is just. Crazy, like has yeah. been that like splattery fear and loathing style stuff on a beer label. Is like, yeah, I don't know. I I, I don't even OG know if do. I like their beer, but I buy it all the time. That's the yeah. Raging Bitch,
1: yeah, that, they, yeah, they yeah. Changed yeah.
0: The they changed the name on account of you know. People yeah. calling out raging misogyny and beer names. Yeah. Yeah,
1: that's you know, a thing,
2: though, right? That's a huge yeah, definitely. Thing, yeah. And the labels, too, to bring yeah. back the Iron Maiden yeah, like album yeah. cover. a lot of
0: places got a lot of fleck for it. Sure. Uh, yeah. Rightfully so. But
1: yeah, the, the labels themselves are awesome. Steadman stuff is like, that's like OG, too. That was yeah, before he's people one of my really favorite gave, artists. Yeah. Give yeah. a shit about what they put on their labels.
2: I, I remember seeing that. And that was one of the first craft beers that I was even just kind of aware of. And I remember seeing those labels and thinking, did they rip him off? Yeah, me too, yeah. yeah or is it actually the
0: artist that's doing this? Yeah, no, it is actually Ralph Steadman. That's great.
2: Is he still alive?
0: He is still alive, yeah. and Otherwise, it would be a ripoff right? because he would be making Fugazi beer labels. Right. Use your brain, buddy. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> I, you talked over my Married to Oprah joke. I really like that one. Steadman? <laughs> no? Oh, that- yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, it was move a Let's talk about the most annoying type of person you see at a craft brewery. We've done this. We've Annie and I have we've ran points on more than a few of these yeah. articles. Um, kind of just calling out stereotypes and making fun of people. It's an easy way to kill an afternoon's workload, so you it don't really have to write is, something yeah. real. I'm sick
0: of red bearded cicerones. Oh, that's hyper specific, Zach. I oh have to man,
1: say. <laughs> I should have seen that one coming. I think there's like a lot of Instagram or like meme accounts that are kind of focused on. Like this kind of lampooning, but there are a lot of dudes who show up and play the part. We've said this a bunch, you know, usually white dude with a beard and cargo shorts that is up at the bar, either giving the bartender a really hard time for not knowing the exact IBU and ABV and hop bill for every single beer on draft and then talking down everything. Like that's the sort of thing that you think you'd start to see less of, but honestly, it's just as bad as it ever was. These are usually the guys too that are like, disrespectful to like the female wait staff and talk down to them or the kind of guys that just show up and think they run the joint. And that's annoying in any context, but I feel like it's especially prevalent in beer because so many people like seek out the taproom experience. And with that personality type being so prevalent, it's just going to happen more.
0: Like at the end of the day, these are all small businesses. You're not running like a big Budweiser bar. You're running a neighborhood bar Mm -hmm. and like I don't go into other people's houses and tell them what to do unless it's Will's house where I'm not invited anymore, but it's a loft. First of all,
2: <laughs> I can't, afford. we live in New I'm York. I'm a millennial.
0: We live. In- <laughs> um, but to that end, like, I also think that people that um, kind of abuse uh, beer rating accounts and flock in and so there, there are beer account or beer uh, websites that are not unlike Yelp, like beer advocate and rate beer where people will just like savage
1: or untapped. Places.
0: Or untapped, yes. Yep. Yeah.
1: Which actually, I feel like in the moment, people do that. They'll jump on the untapped. They'll have literally half an ounce or an ounce of a pour. Yeah. And they'll still write up the review, which yeah. is completely unfair in my opinion. I, I never do that.
0: Well, and they'll be like, oh, this sour isn't an IPA. Yeah, It's like the people that go and yelp about like a Chinese restaurant not having chicken McNuggets.
2: Yeah, yeah. yeah. it's like an even more annoying version of Yelp. <laughs> yeah. it's, 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 no, it, I didn't think it was possible. It's, I
1: actually read about this for Thrillist. When you look at the numbers, it was something like 92 of the top beers on the lists, I I think it was at Beer Advocate or at Rate Beer, Mm. were either a double IPA or a barrel-aged stout. So that behavior is really, really tough to work around, and it's annoying that that's what feels like drives numbers. So everyone feels now that they have to make a bajillion IPAs to make money. That actually has consequences. Like, it's annoying behavior to have someone sit in a bar, but everyone agrees that that guy sitting at the bar talking down to your female bartender is an asshole. So... It's different. I, I, when I, I
0: apologized. <laughs> uh, okay,
2: so these are some big ones. What state produces the best beer overall?
1: It's really hard to pick one state because ten years ago it was probably been a lot easier question to answer. But every states had their own boom. Some states have more going on than others because they got started earlier. Honestly, I am. You know, I'm a New England boy. I'm stuck over here. I pressed for it. I would say that Maine, pound for pound. Puts out a lot. I'm sorry I'm sticking on Maine. <laughs> Maine makes incredible stuff, but I'm also going to be hometown biased here and say that New York State is so good and, mm-hmm. and I think has come the furthest Yeah. Um, from an area where there was like Oma Gang to start and a few other smaller breweries that has exploded into so much more and beca- like so many more household names in the beer world have come out of the state. It's
0: interesting that you say New York too because I think that like aside from your Brooklyn Brewing, which is like, that's like the OG Crispy Boy beer, right? Yeah. Uh, but... I think that it's hard for a lot of people to find New York beer. And so knowing that like this is a place that's kind of a beer oasis that is kind of unattainable makes uh, makes visiting look a little sexier, right?
1: The change now is that when you travel, you try the local beer, which I think is yeah, a great yeah. thing. I, I've always loved doing that. And the more I get to like I don't necessarily need to have my favorite beer from Wyoming Brought to me every week. I would love if I could try it more often, but... What is it?
2: Your favorite beer from Miami. I had
1: my epiphany uh, sitting at the Snake River Brewing Company. That's actually what gave me the idea to open my bar. Snake so, River is yeah. really cool. It's really... The beers are fantastic, and they're still, they're still fantastic, in my opinion. Jackson Hole's an awesome place. I, th- I think for my money,
0: like honestly, like it's hard to beat California for just sheer volume. They've got more breweries than almost anywhere. But because mm-hmm. of that, like you're also seeing you've got San Diego and you've got San Francisco. But like L.A. still got a long way to go. A lot of the state still has a long way to go. So for my money, I'm I'm going to go with Oregon, where I used to live, uh, mostly because it's it's not just the volume of stuff that's coming out of there. It's like the extreme quality of so many of those breweries. I mean, when you're when you're making a list of the best breweries in the country, you could easily populate it with a ton of Oregon breweries, from it like works. OGs yeah. like Deschutes to uh, upstarts like Great Notion, which uh, is actually a very big Hazbro one. To you know, uh, whatever is coming out of Portland or Hood River at any given moment.
1: Everyone associates California with craft beer as it is, but you look at a place like L.A., which was a beer oak desert for a long time. And I remember visiting like four or five years ago and being like, "Oh, it's cute." You know, like L.A. will be like a big player in like a decade. And I came back a year later. I was like, wait, no, LA is already big. LA is blown up so fast yeah. and like so much. So Zach and
0: I went into what could only be described as a Miami vice themed, like <laughs> bright white beer bar with neon sides. It was like a, like going into the movie drive, but you shouldn't be driving. And
1: <laughs> <laughs> what was that place called? Um yeah. Block party. Block party. Uh, it was a great yeah. little beer bar, but yeah, yeah. it
0: definitely felt fat and, uh, <laughs> You live uh, in Los uh, un- Angeles. Ungroomed, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, f- I felt fat in Michigan and now I live in Los Angeles. Yeah. <laughs> okay. We don't have too much
2: time, but I've heard beer nerds talk about how you know cans might be the ideal vessel for beer. Is that true? That's a fact, Mr. That's Mac, right?
1: Com- I, I don't know how many articles I've written about this. Yeah. But read at least it, maybe it was I, act, actually. Actually. I still have to hand sell people on the idea of cans because they assume that everything that comes in a can is a cheap beer, but mm-hmm. The colloquially, the brewers refer to cans as mini kegs. It blocks it from light. It's lighter, uh, easier to transport. What
0: does light do to beer?
1: Light uh, skunks beer. So that whenever you hear people talk, thank you, Andy. Nice little layup there. (laughs) And so cans block out all light. And uh, it's more airtight. Bottles don't provide the, in most cases, don't provide the perfect protection against air, which is the other enemy to beer staying fresh. So... Having an airtight container like this is just much better. Also, it's lighter, easier to transport, better for the environment.
0: It's funny. People talk about, like, the the winification of beer and, the, like, the the recent move to start canning more wines and putting wines in kegs. Mm. People were calling that, like, the beerification of wine. They're like, oh, I, I could shotgun a, a nice rosé at a tailgate. <laughs> but, like... Uh, Wine maker friends of mine have told me that it's actually similar to what you are just saying. Like it's kind of a preferred thing because it kind of, it keeps the gases in, it keeps everything relatively stable versus like a corking situation. Yeah. So.
2: How about pouring a bottle or a can into a glass? Should you just drink straight out of the can? I know it says that on Heady Topper's uh, top, but why is that?
1: Um, honestly, a lot of that has to do with releasing carbonation and aroma. If you're going to, if you're drinking something, it's weird now because it used to just be like the hazy IPAs and stuff stuff that you might be able to get away with just like sipping out of a can. Um, but these days you're also seeing like old school beers that are like 11% Trappist things, like heavy Belgians that like that really benefit from being poured out. I honestly, I say context is everything. If you have the me- the means to pour a can out, I usually do. If I'm drinking beer in my apartment, I'll often take the beer and pour it into a glass that I like. If you're being serious with this stuff, you're supposed to look at the beer as well. So if you don't pour it out of the can, you'll never get that experience. How sad. I know. Yeah. All right,
2: enough talk from these nerds. We have to take a quick break. Okay, we covered a lot of stuff, but now we want to get to the meat of the episode. You know, meat beer, the bull testicle beer. Think yeah, about that. Yeah. What's the best craft brewery in America? I have a pick, even though I don't know that much. Um, and it's just, it's, I, this isn't the best. This is just my personal favorite. I think it bears mentioning. Uh, six point. Local. Uh, to me Lo- looks- local to where will <laughs> i think that we've established that we live in new york with all hey, these thank jokes. You. Just, just- and um <laughs> i think that's six point crisp i'm a crispy boy <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so i admit it I, here i am on uh, the
1: air crispy boy here we are
2: uh yeah i'm a crispy boy and i think that their crisp is probably my favorite beer of all time i don't know if that's a little bit basic but i think they do great stuff i love everything they do um it's always my go-to so my favorite and de facto best is six point now what you think the "quote unquote" best is is up to you. Is it most influential? Is it your personal favorite? Are you being objective? Are you being subjective? It's it's really up to you. Why don't we start with
0: Andy? Thanks, Will. No problem. Um, <laughs> there are a lot of answers to this. That here here's here's the other thing about stuff like this. Like there is no right answer and there's no wrong answer. And everyone's gonna be like, because we live in a wonderful time, everyone's just gonna like be like that guy's an idiot. Um, all that said, I think that. Like My gut would be to go with something small like a Freem Family Brewers out of Hood River or a Breakside out of Portland. But I think in terms of like a larger beer cultural imprint, I'm going to go with Bells out of Kalamazoo, Michigan, or Comstock, Michigan, rather. Mm. Um, Bells has been around for a long time. Bells made Two Hearted Ale, which is currently having kind of a moment as it spreads across the country. And, That's and the one
2: with the fish on the label,
0: right? It, it's the most boring, grampily label yeah. out there. Uh, they've done a lot of stuff over the years. They put Michigan beer on the map. Uh, some might argue that Founder's out of Michigan is the better brewery, but I think that like Bell's just kind of captured the Michigan heart and then slowly started expanding to the point where now they're almost available in every state. Um, and most most breweries would be able to like rest on the fact that they make one of the most uh, consistently delicious IPAs for the past thirty years. Uh, and Oberon, which is a wheat beer, that's basically its release is a holiday in Michigan in the summer, and they make a great cherry stout. And they were doing the uh, Hop Slam IPA before everyone was really freaking out, uh, right around the time of Pliny, actually. But what makes them most interesting is we're able to find them more, and and every time they enter a new market, they just came out to Oregon for the first time. Everyone was freaking out, like you could go get this beer that's been around for thirty years, and there were lines a half a mile down the store for these bottle shops, right? So this is something that we've all taken for granted for a very long time, but they're also continuing to innovate. They released a uh, double version of the uh, two hearted IPA. And now they're going to release one. That's like 3.5%. So they're hitting the trends. They're innovating. They're doing interesting stuff and they're doing it in a way that's becoming more and more accessible. And if you have a legacy brewery that makes a beer, that's beloved, that's going to be an entry point for people to try more beers. If they see a Bell's sour, they're going to probably try that simply by virtue of the fact that they grew up loving something. Well, not grew up, but came of age (laughs) loving something. Uh, And I think that that really does a lot for the wider beer community because it makes people more curious about styles.
2: Yeah, I very much agree with that. I mean, that's that kind of piggybacks off my six point. If, if I see a new six point, I will try it and I probably wouldn't be as likely
0: to if it was another brand. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they, the Bells. The they, and they guys. have hazy stuff like people are, uh, it, so people that would be averse to trying that will see that Bells name and be like, oh, hazy. And then they're going to probably try an M43, which is like, one of these hot new ones out of Michigan as well. So it, it, it just opens up the conversation to more people by combining familiarity with innovation. That was the first beer I fell in love with too. And the You fact always that remember your first, huh? Yeah, I do, yeah. Um. Well, I mean, my first one was probably actually like a high life or something, but yeah. that was the first beer that I truly fell in love with. And now seeing that happen and turn more people onto it on a mass scale where you can buy it in a gas station in like, you know, rural Minnesota, like that's great. yeah.
1: I actually feel that about Bells and Six Point. For the for the most part, it's, again, these brands that everyone forgets exist and mean a lot to a lot of people. But I can't remember the last time I saw a brewery release its uh, stuff in New York with as much fervor as Bells. People went nuts. It's crazy, It's That's right? the fun part about being a beer writer and a bar owner is, like, we still get, I still get, like, that public pulse of, like, what do people feel? Bells, the, the diehard support of that brand has not died at all. I support something that's, like, been there through the hard days when it wasn't like the big thing to go out and buy beer. And I think in that sense too, it's hard to pick. There's so many criteria that could go into picking the best craft brewery. But I I think if you're considering something that can create great beer at a higher volume and be available in more places, you're looking at like a more impressive set than just being able to be the cool niche kid. So I'm honestly really blown away by New Belgium and their ability to come out with these incredible sours, which so few people can do at a small scale, let alone at the large scale that they do. And if you're going to go out there and get La Folie, something that consistent and amazing, up against something like a Fat Tire, which is like an easy day drinking beer, and their seasonals or their IPAs, like through the Ranger Series, they've done a really, really good job of of taking passion of for beer from one area of the country and expanding it out. And that's one of the, like the few brands that people were calling me until the day they launched in the city. Like, when are you going to get this? When are you going to get this? They've done a really good job of staying relevant, and I also personally really like that they treat their employees very well. Yeah, aren't
0: they employee owned? Yes. Yeah. So,
1: and everyone who works there seems to be thrilled to do it. I don't know anyone who walks away from the the company. I think they do a lot of things right from beer and beyond.
0: And it's available everywhere. Yeah, you can get, like you can every, get that beer. It's beer for the people.
1: Yeah, exactly. If, if we're talking about a beer that makes you happy, it's the one that's in the airport when you're stuck on a delay and you know you're going to enjoy it. It's not going to be the one that you can only get if you wait in line for eight and a half hours because it's the hottest thing. I just think it's important to remember the best brewery doesn't necessarily mean the most exclusive or the most niche. It's These guys do a lot of things well. Totally.
2: Those are good answers. I like them.
0: I also always and only drink Sam Adams in airports. It's a
1: great airport right. beer. It's a great it's airport a Really,
0: like if there's a Boston lager at an airport, that is in my mouth.
1: They clean their lines. <laughs> they, they show up and the, the reps, they, they make sure that the lines are clean. Even yeah. at the airport. Even at the airport.
0: Real quick,
2: what is your favorite non-craft beer? Wildcard. Oh, Talk man. Talk this one in Ooh. there. Sorry. I got one. I like, uh, I like Narragansett, you know? Speak of New England,
1: I do. Neighbors, really is technically craft beer.
2: Son of a bitch, I learned yeah, nothing. So, good, good you know, <laughs> way, way to stick it to the man, hell? Will.
1: <laughs> we sell it, so <laughs>
2: oh my god! Just because okay.
1: you
0: sell it, that means that well, no, no, that, I that mean, is just, your commitment. like, I like, I like a good Coors Banquet on a nice hot day. But Red Red heavy Coors Banquet, quite yeah. enjoyable. Nice sipping beer it I, makes you yeah, feel Banquet like you got a big old set on. you. An old favorite of
1: mine. I've always joked with a bunch of other bar owners in the area. I think Rolling Rock is. Awesome. Yeah. yeah I mean, really I was born in Pittsburgh, so I'm down with that. I'm um, glad
0: that none of us said like one of the craft breweries that were uh, acquired, because now technically like a Ballast Point is
2: yeah, a big
0: beer, which is a fantastic beer. So, so it's not technically craft beer anymore because it was acquired. Because by, it was yeah. acquired by Constellation Brands for
1: $1 billion. Yeah. So that really matters. I mean, you can't call that craft yeah. beer. No, no that's, it's, that's a designation. Definitely yeah. matters.
2: But Narragansett, yes, craft beer.
1: PBR? Um, no, uh, PBR is not a craft beer because uh, Miller Coors, I think, has a huge stake in them. So let's go with that. No, you are right. Uh,
2: Narragansett does have a little pin. They sent me uh, like a little Quint-themed package. Yeah. Really? Yeah, it was one of the coolest like PR things I've ever got in my you life. Your apartment. So thank you, Narragansett. Um, <laughs> send some more. Uh, okay. Coors Banquet. what about so Rolling Rock? I can get yeah. down with those. I'll go with PBR or Modelo.
1: Oh, Modelo's great. Yeah, I do love my I'm good Modelo! I, I forgot
2: about Modelo. That's what we drank during the Taco Bell. Yeah, that's what I yeah. drank right before <laughs> I got fun. very
0: sick in Mexico City. So I'm
1: I'm anti-Modelo <laughs> right now.
2: A story for another day, perhaps. Uh, paper bag. One more time, we go around. Paper bag. Paper bag. Paper bag. Okay, we learned a lot. Thank you guys. Tour. Really appreciate it. Ta-ta. Tour. Tour. <laughs> That's your Check out ABC Beer Co In the East Village Yeah If you're ever in town In on New Twitter York On
1: Twitter and Instagram The same same name At ABC Beer Co Yeah it is, Yeah
2: Yeah look up Zach's writing Zach Mac.
1: Zach Mack Only on
2: Thrillist though Only on Thrillist don't read them other sites Andy Kriza rides with Chiza of course Also on Thrillist Writes a lot I guess I don't know Follow Thrillist on Instagram And Twitter At Thrillist And follow me personally On Instagram At That Thrillist Guy I post some fun stuff Usually about the podcast Go check it out
0: Okay.
2: Thanks for listening. Anything else to say guys? Paper bag. Paper bag. Okay. And if you crave even more craft beer coverage from Thrillist, check out the 13 Essential American Breweries of 2019. It's a full article. Zach Mack actually has some blurbs on it. He's a great writer and a great speaker too. So go read his words and the words of many others on craft beer on thrillist.com. Google it. So this lovely episode would not have been possible without our amazing and talented team. Big thanks to our executive producer on the Thrillis side, Bison Messink, who I've shared many a craft beer with. Our Group 9 fam, Brett Kushner, David Swick, and Emily Feld helped tie everything together. Megan Kirsch and Ocean McAdams are our bosses over at Thrillist who turn a blind eye when we want to drink craft beer in the middle of the day. We want to thank our executive producer at iHeartRadio, Mengesh Hatakudor. And most importantly, thank you so much to my podcast partner in crime, our producer, and she also edited this episode, Double Threat, Molly Scholsen. She's staring at me right now. Good job. Hey. And last but certainly not least, Ernie Injuredat for mixing. Tune in next week. We'll be discussing the complete opposite of craft beer. We're going to be talking about the best Pixar movie of all time. It's the big one.